Hello, science fans. It's me, Frankie. We're all on our way to Karen's hometown because, um, uh, it's made of electrum or something? I don't know. I wasn't really listening. Anyways, we finally got back together after being split up, and uh, we made it to the forge. Uh, this big volcano that's also a dwarf town? That's pretty neat. We had a couple things to do, so Ido and Flynn went with Murphy, uh, to look for someone to show us around underground. But I know where the action is, so I went with Karen to call a forge summit. Political gatherings are my secret passion, because political science is still science. The dwarf said no to Karen, and then her sister, Elicast, totally betrayed her to the guards, who are taking us back to her mom's house? That can't be right. I should really start paying attention instead of looking at shiny rocks all the time. Oh, hey, I gotta go. I just seen a really shiny rock. Everybody and welcome to the terrible adventures of the Janice and Bruford's Parchment Company. Currently up to episode twenty-seven, I believe. I'll edit that out if it's the wrong episode. <laughs> uh, heading episode four of Hivewood Bound. My name is Penny D, and my favorite kitchen utensil is a spatula. You know, I'm I'm big on I'm big frying pan person. I really love even like toasted sandwiches I like to cook in the frying pan. So having a nice like non-scratch plastic spatula, um, I would say I use that in like most of my cooking. Even if you're like supposed to use a wooden spoon or something, I mostly go with a spatula, even to like, you know, stir my stir fry. Spatula does the job. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Oh, hi, I'm Nathan and I'm playing Flinvar the Halfling Bard, and my favorite kitchen utensil is actually um a serrated knife like a it's a, a use everything knife um i love a serrated knife yeah it's the one of those forever sharp kind of ones you brought i don't know like a home show or the caravan expo or some shit but i've had them <laughs> for years and they actually do stay sharp but i use it for everything <laughs> everything they're great everybody like everybody tells me oh you gotta have a kitchen knife You've got to, you know, it's got to be a flat knife. Serrated knives, though. Mm-hmm. The day that I found out that you're meant to cut bread with a serrated knife changed my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so much better to, like, chop so your, like, your loaves and stuff. And tomatoes. <laughs> oh. I mean, the, the guy at the expo was like, look at me cutting this hammer. And I'm like, cool. And then he did the tomato. I was like, oh, my God, the tomato. <laughs> <laughs> but not citrus fruit. You don't cut citrus fruit with a serrated knife. No, because it gets in your eye. Oh. <laughs> Or that too, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, totally. that's, that's the one, that's the reason. <laughs> I'm Stephanie, and I play Frankie, the artificer. My favorite utensil would be, I don't know the name of it, but you, like, put it on a potato, and you twirl it around, and it, like, makes the spirally potato things. What, spiralizer? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> that, that is what they call. Yeah. Is that uh, what they're really called? Spiralizer. Yeah, like the apple core is also called an apple core, bro. Ah. Well, I mean, I guess I guess it makes sense. Yeah, I like I have like about three of them, and I use none of them, but I like them. They do look <laughs> very cool. And then you make, make a little curly fries. 
Yeah. They make potatoes fun to eat. Not that, you know, potatoes aren't already fun to eat. Potatoes are so fun <laughs> to eat. <laughs> yes, raw. <laughs> Hi, I'm Poppy. I play Ida for the Tiefling Rogue. And I think my favourite kitchen utensil is tongs. They're just much like a spatula. Very useful. Means I don't have to touch hot food with my bare hands. And they can be used as torture devices. And also, if you've got two of them, you could pretend to be a lobster. Fun fact. Oh, I do. Every time. And when you're really short, you can use them to get things off of high shelves. Mm. But you can't use them until you've done some practice clickies with them. That's oh, true. Yeah, you, you have, have to, to make sure they're, they're still working. working. You mm-hmm. have to do the practice clickies. You can get toast tongs, which are non-metal ones, so they're like wood or bamboo, and you can use them to get in your toast out of the toaster. Oh! Yeah. I've seen them, but I'm just the kind that like slams the thing straight up so the toast That's pops a out. Good idea. I just use <laughs> metal ones. Not very <laughs> gentle. <laughs> Toaster destroyer. <laughs> and uh, finally, I'm Liz, and I play Karen, uh, your favourite dwarven barbarian, who's currently in a bit of strife. Um, my favourite kitchen utensil is a pair of chopsticks, and I will tell you why. Similar to the tongs. I can use them to flip food in a pan without getting my hands uh, burnt and eggy. Mm -hmm. I can use them when I'm uh, getting things out of jars. I can get an olive out and or a caper out and I don't have to get my hands all uh, icky from the juices in the jars. I can use them like a spatula. I can use them like a pair of tongs. They're the best. You can also use them to eat with, which is better than a spatula or a pair of tongs because if I saw someone eating with some tongs, I would assume that um, they had lost control of their life. Whereas yeah, I have. if you eat with... <laughs> was it at a point in your life where you had lost control? Let's say it was my second year at university. Um... Yeah. <laughs> clean dishes. I want, to be controversial. Oh, yeah. I want to be controversial right here and say that chopsticks are just tongs without the hinge. Mm. Also, without the grabby bit on the end, you know, like the, there's no the grabby, grabby bit on the end. Bit. They use like I think the fact that they require dexterity. Um, you know, contrary to the fact that we all said that we're not very dexterous, it makes you feel very cool. And also, you enjoy your food more when you eat them with chopsticks. I can't use chopsticks. I was in an accident, like as a child. Since then, I haven't actually been able to like I can't hold them properly, oh, wow. like the pins and stuff. So I actually can't use chopsticks. Wow, is it because of the like the movement of your hand that you have to do to use chopsticks? Yeah, and just holding them in that position. Uh, that's why I hold my pin funny. Oh, uh, yeah, noticed. yeah. Can't yeah. have ever noticed that you hold your pen unusually. Oh, uh, mm. okay. Cool, cool, cool. Next well, time, no, hey. You know. Hey, well, this isn't a kitchen utensil and history of injuries podcast. This is a D&D <laughs> podcast. So how do you guys feel about playing some Dungeons and Dragons, getting together Ooh. and um, experiencing some, you know, emotional trauma, you know, <laughs> family history, yeah. maybe fight some goblins. We'll see what happens. Oh, God. Should we see what if Briscoes will sponsor us? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. Yeah, you can only ask, right? Briscoe's, mm-hmm. if you listen, Briscoe's the corporation, not anyone who works for the corporation. Briscoe's the corporation. The if you're listening to this, we are open. We are open to um, corporate sponsorship. And we hello, Briscoe's lady. Briscoe's yeah, lady. you have to like you, the Briscoe's lady has to join the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> as a new character. As a new character, the Briscoe's lady. <laughs> and she could be like a side character that you know is still the Briscoe's lady, but the you know fantasy Briscoe's. 
fantasy brisk guys. But would they still have like, you know, sixty percent off every weekend kind of sale in the fantasy? Hang on, I already you. said I already said this isn't a this isn't a kitchen appliances podcast. Oh shoot. <laughs> can't keep talking about kitchen appliances. We sell parchment, not not homewares. <laughs> <laughs> You're completely right. So Flynn and Idafa, you guys have left the molten good time. Uh, what are you doing now? Hightailing it out of there. <laughs> Where are you going? Find a quiet corner to tuck around to talk to Poet. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Awesome. Um, what what kind of thing are you looking for? Are you going for like a cafe or like a park bench? Or what are you looking for? Well, let's go shady. Let's go a back alley. Oh, okay. I went whimsical. You went dark and dead. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So you two and Murphy and Poet turn down a side alley. The alleys are a bit different on the forge because of the slope. Uh, so it's more of like a storage nook. It doesn't actually lead, it doesn't go uphill, it just is dug into the into the volcano. And so what are you going to ask Poet? Alright, couple things here. Uh, Mr. Poet, if that is your real name. Firstly, we didn't decide how much we're going to pay you. Uh, did you want to give us a ballpark figure? Or are we just going to throw a number at you? Also, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll be honest with you, I'm not particularly interested in gold I have plenty I am interested in adventure I need to go to the underdark for my own reasons and having you all nearby might make it a little safer for me it's not the it's not the easiest place to traverse on your own I've done it before and I'd prefer not to do it again perfect because we are adventurers we are, we are. And how about we have, um, I've got a contractor I can sign up here. How about we, um, and I'll have to discuss with the rest of my party, but what if we agree to share a percentage of each other's um, findings that we bring back from the Underdark once we're back with each other? So everyone takes a share in any uh, treasure recovered? Is that what you're looking for? treasure or not just treasure but what we bring back so maybe you're going for like a really tasty mushroom we'd like a share of it maybe we're going for you know something of equal value maybe find a clan of like slaves um we would get some of them oh but i'll oh. free them does that mean that i get a share in the electrum trade that you're looking to set up depends on the value of what you're going to find roll me a perception check <laughs> that's a net one <laughs> Just nat ones are over twenty. That's all Flynn can do. Every time I reroll my nat one, it's hitting like either a nineteen or an eighteen. <laughs> hey, I'm not switching dices. You're a good boy. Uh, Twenty-two. Oh, mine's not as good. Uh, mine is an uh, ten. Okay. While you're having this conversation, Flynn, your uh, halfling ears perk up. You're always <laughs> on the lookout, listening to other people's conversations, and see if you can get a sale out of them. You've got used to quite quite used to eavesdropping nearby. Um, a couple of uh, people walk past the sort of entrance to the storage alcove that you're sitting in, and you hear very very plainly two female dwarves talking to each other, and one of them says, "Oh, do you know who I just saw being led away by guards?" Karen Goldseeker. Oh, and the other one's like, isn't she a stone cutter now? And then they, they sort of carry on through. But what you've picked up is that <laughs> there's gossip going around the town that Karen's been led away by guards. Oh, great. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Can we finish negotiations? We've got a bit of a problem. <laughs> what? What's wrong, Flynn? Um. So it seems that Karen 
may or may not have been detained, depending on if you listen to dwarven ladies in the streets. But I just heard how that tidbit. She's meant to be the responsible one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does that... Okay. <sighs> this plan. Um, Do we go save Karen? Or do we go to the Underdark now? So I think we can swing by. Um, Poet, where is, is the... Uh, where are they? The Diamond the diamond Heart area on the way to the Underdark? Perchance? Well, oh, entrances to the Underdark sort of exist all over the place. We're going to go to an old mine. We're going to go to uh, a dwarven mine. We're going to go to a hive. And we're going to start by going down the mine and then we'll figure out our way from there. Perfect. Let's just go get our dwarf and then we'll do that. Absolutely. Poet, uh, do you know where they may have taken Karen? Uh, previously a um, silver what have you, uh, now a stone cutter. Well, if she's a silver-skinned, I imagine they've taken her to the silver-skinned clan hall. It was silver-skin, right, Flynn? I don't... Was it? No, it was gold. No, yeah, it was gold. It was gold cutter. <laughs> okay, well, same same again. If she's been detained and she's a gold seeker, she's probably at the gold seeker clan hall. How far away is that? Frankie. <laughs> are you staying with Karen? <laughs> Yeah, so Frankie would have been allowed. He would have just been, like, I guess, walking with everybody else. He doesn't want to cause a ruckus. But his, like, mouth is just agape, looking at all this gold. It's like, you grew up here. I grew up in, like, a two-bedroom shack. And there's gold everywhere. Ooh, what's that? <laughs> and he, like, points to something. It's like a cup or, like, something mundane. But it's just gold, and it's amazing. And he feels very underdressed and very poor. When Karen was led through the Goldseeker clan hall and all the way up to the door that her mother answered, did you stick with the group or did you wander off? Oh, no, he would have stuck with the group. He doesn't want to wander off in case he gets in trouble. He doesn't want to cause a ruckus or anything. Okay. Karen, you are sitting in an uncomfortable chair. It's the same chair that you hated sitting in as a child while you were lectured endlessly about etiquette and queenliness. You are currently in what looks like your mother's office or study. There's bookshelves, there's little, you know, golden knickknacks. There's an enormous oil painting of what looks like your mother as dressed as queen uh, up behind the desk. And Frankie, there are no other chairs in the room. Where are you? Are you just like standing in the corner? Are you sitting next to Karen? Where are you? Frankie would just be standing, I guess, in the sort of back in the corner next to one of like, I guess, a guard and just asking the guard like, hey, hey, what's what's that thing? Like, what's what, what's this? You know, just trying to not be <laughs> involved, <laughs> you know, messing up anything, but also very curious. Okay. Karen, across from you, sitting in an overly opulent seat that has gold trimming, resembling the gold trimming on the throne, is your mother. She sips tea pompously, watching you. Bit presumptuous of you, don't you think? The painting. I'll have you know, I commissioned this painting a long time before you left. Mm. I'm going to get my gold's worth. Oh yes, well that's all this family does, isn't it? Get our gold's worth. Out of every one, out of everything. What would you expect of the Godseeker Queen? That's what we're supposed to do. It's not always 
what you should do, though, is it? Anyway, why have you brought me here? I'm not going to help you with anything. You might as well just let me go. I don't need your help. I demand an apology. You ruined everything. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. If it wasn't for you and your little crybaby attitude, <laughs> I would be queen right now. The gold seekers would be glorious. Instead, my petulant sister Helena is taking over as queen, and you could have been queen. And what do you have instead? I have a family. Something I never had here. <sighs> you can't even begin to understand. All the things that I've seen, all of the places that I've gone ever since leaving here. I have a far better life than I ever would have had staying here, being bound by the rules. <sighs> I'm never going to apologize to you. Will you apologize to Kyanite? Will you apologize to Kyanite? I have. No, you haven't. You don't even think about him. You only bring him up because you know that you know that I was there. You didn't care about him. You never did. You never cared about any of us. He would have made a wonderful foreman. He would have made a wonderful person. You wouldn't even let him be that. He wasn't even a dwarf. That's it, isn't it? Your younger brother dies in the mines and you make it all about you. Oh. As always. Selfish. Like, you're the one to talk about being selfish. You didn't even let me mourn. You didn't even let anyone mourn. You just sent me away. This is our way. You were being in the way with your tears and your screaming and your... What? What were you going to do with him? We're going to bury him in the ground where the bugs would eat him? At least, at least our way he goes back into the clan. Of course he goes back into the clan. Everything goes back into the clan. Everything we do goes back into the clan. Uncle Jasper gets his heart. I would have been the clan. You selfish, petulant child. <sighs> and what do you do instead? You run away with a stone cutter to Yamiya City where we can't get you. Of course I do. Do you know why I ran away with him? He was the first person who saw me. Saw me for who I was. Not for who I was related to, or what I could be in the future, or what I could bring to other people. You only care about me because I stopped you from becoming queen, and I'm glad of it. <sighs> I'm leaving. You can't stop me this time. And uh, she's going she's gonna to get up out of the chair and turn to leave. As you do that, there is a soft and polite knock at the door. Flynn and Idafa, what are you guys doing? <laughs> How far is it to where Karen is? Now that you're in the city, how do I explain this? As you get further up the mountain, it gets less and less time to get between the zones because obviously the base of the mountain, they're quite wide. Mm. But as you get further up the mountain, they are quite much more close to each other. And the clan halls are located fairly close to the top where essentially like you could travel between the, cl the clan halls maybe within two hours. You can also take the um, ski lifts. They're not called ski lifts here, but I'm using that word as a... <laughs> Uh, you know, just as a shorthand for what you what you know. There's no skiing here. There's no snow. Funiculus. Funiculus. Yes, thank you. Let's take that up then. Okay. Yeah, in that case, I think we'd be heading to the nearest cheerlift with Poet, just kind of figuring out a plan to get Karen before we go to the Underdark, because 
Are you on your way to the Goldseeker Clan Hall? Mm-hmm. Okay, Flynn. I, in my head, I picture hundreds of guards mm. because Karen is important. And, oh God, have we made the right decision? Should we have not just gone to the Underdark? <laughs> That's a perfect place to cut that scene. <laughs> Back to Karen and Frankie. Frankie, by the way, you didn't you didn't get to say anything during that last scene. What? How how have you dealt with this uh, mother daughter argument that's been happening? <laughs> so so angsty. Frankie would have pulled out some stale popcorn out of his bag uh, and offered some to the guard next to him, and be like, "Oh, this is getting really good," and just silently eating popcorn while watching this drama unfold. <laughs> Karen, when you get up, like right as you get up, there is a fairly polite knock on the door and Beryl uh, screeches like, leave me be. This is, this is my business. Stay out of here. And the door opens and Karen, you see a face that you recognize. It's your little cousin Jade all grown up. Get out of my office. You have no right to be here. And Jade kind of eyes you with concern, Karen. And then smiles politely and says, Lady Beryl, far be it from me, heir to the clan throne, to tell you what to do. But uh, you see, I just received word that someone from the Goldseeker clan has, and she takes a deep breath and like rubs her eyes. And you both get the idea that like this conversation is probably something that happens fairly often and is quite frustrating to her. And Jade continues and says, abducted a goddamn stonecutter and is treating them to a serving of verbal abuse. <laughs> Are you out of your goddamn mind? And Beryl reacts to this as though she's been slapped. She's like, you, you cannot speak to me this way. I was going to be queen before you and your usurper mother took it from me. And, and Jade's like, oh, was it, was it mother and I? I thought it was Karen or Barrington or the foreman or the cooks or everyone in the clan. And Beryl at this point is like breathing rapidly and looking like she's about to explode. And, and Jade like looks at you, Karen, uh, looks at Beryl, like looks at Frankie eating popcorn in the corner. And it's just, I will not have you starting a clan war over this nonsense. Let her go at once. And Beryl points maniacally at you, Karen. Uh, and you can see that she has been like squeezing her fists so tightly that her solid gold, like fake nails uh, now have blood on them. She's not even a real stonecutter. They have never recognized her marriage. <laughs> and Jade shrugs and says, Well, you forced their hand, and apparently now they have. I won't ask again, Auntie Beryl. I outrank you in every level except crazy old hag. <laughs> now. And Beryl swallows. Her left eye is like twitching as, as she's receiving this order from who she considers somebody inferior to her. Um, <laughs> and then... In a sudden sort of brisk motion, she just turns around and crosses her arms and refuses to make eye contact. <laughs> and Jade smiles warmly at you, Karen, and gestures towards the door and says, uh, if you'll follow me, Mrs. Thorncutter. Of course. And Karen kind of clears her throat and <clears throat> suddenly her, her posh accent is back. She says, uh, <laughs> go on with Jade, Frankie. Uh, she's perfectly safe. And she'll, as she kind of leaves with Frankie, she'll turn to her mother as she leaves and she'll say, You should really count your blessings, mother, that you never got to be queen. You would have brought this family to ruin. <laughs> and I would have watched you with glee. And she's uh, going to turn tail and uh, leave after Jade. 
Jade leads you down the stairs um, and through the opulent throne room. Behind the throne is a curtain, and behind that is a small, comfortable space that you remember as being like over-decorated and very off-limits to all but the Queen's guests. Uh, now it's been kind of like, there's less gold in here, it's a bit more comfortable and a bit less showy nowadays. And inside there are three dwarf men wearing simple tunics, uh, decorated with the stone cutter insignia. And Jade addresses them and says, uh, My apologies, lords, for the wait. As you can see, your clansman is here, safe and sound. Uh, the men look over at you, Karen, each of their eyes kind of resting on your wedding ring for a moment before looking at each other and beginning to mutter. One of the lords, who you are shocked to recognize as Barry's father, Thadris Stonecutter, nods to the other two, who begin to leave the chamber. And Thadris uh, says to Jade, Thank you for resolving this matter quickly. You'll make a fine queen one day. And Jade bows. And you, he says, addressing you, Karen. Yes, sir. Barrington tells me the frequent letters I receive from my grandchildren are at your insistence. Your reverence to the Stonecutter clan is noted. Of course, sir. She's, she's very she's very nervous. She's kind of wringing her hands in front of her. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I apologize that you had to step in uh, for this. It was, uh, it was not my intention that you should be called or even know that this was my apologies. Thatris. This is not the first time that the Lady Beryl has been an issue, nor will it be the last. Mm. Good day. Uh, and with that, he leaves, uh, leaving you and Jade alone. Oh. And, and sorry, leaving you and Jade alone with Frankie, because Frankie's there too. Yes, just eating popcorn in the background, <laughs> like, man, <laughs> this is some drama. Oh, I haven't seen my father-in-law in years. Oh, every time. Oh. <sighs> Jade's um, standing there quite composed uh, as she listens to the footsteps of the Stonecutter Lords uh, leave and the door closes to the throne room behind them. And after about you know five seconds after that, she bursts out into nervous laughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lords. You certainly still know how to bring the trouble with you, don't you? Hey. As my mother says... Uh... All I ever think about is myself. Uh, may I introduce my colleague, Frankie? He's an up-and-coming young inventor. Very bright mind. Pride of the company. Or he will be, as soon as we can get his uh, inventions under control. And she'll say, uh, this, is, this is my cousin, uh, Jade. The heir to the gold seeker throne. Frankie looks up and his face is dirty and his mouth is full of popcorn. He's like, oh, nice to meet you. Well, first impressions aside, he is a valuable employee. <sighs> How are you? I'm heir to the throne. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, but I think I'm doing okay. That's good. I, myself, and my mother, and I suppose the entire Goldseeker clan, owe you quite a debt, Karen Stonecutter. You left and you altered the throne line, and there's no telling what would happen if Beryl was queen. That would have been... That would have been a different time. A different... I, I know that you probably feel bad for leaving after your brother died, but I think it was the best thing for all of us. Jade, you're my cousin, and I haven't seen you in 
many, many years. And I know that that's a gold seeker thing to say, but that wasn't the best thing to happen. Not for Kyanite. I would give my life a thousand times over for him to be alive again. Hmm. I'm sure you would. I'm sorry, Karen. A, you appear to have found yourself some different norms out in Yumiya City. I'm happy for you. I've heard all about your children. Barrington has told me from thing to, you know, time to time. I don't know how much he tells you about his time here, but I bump into him every now and then. Your children sound beautiful. Thank you, Jade. And at this point, you guys are walking back towards the hall entrance together. And Jade kind of, like, links arms with you a little bit, and you're walking together, and Jade says, um, I'm sorry to put one more thing on you, but I'm a little worried about Kadet. Uh, I, she's not happy here. I, I barely see her these days. I, I'm worried about her, but I'd rather her away than forced to fall in line with the clan. She's just not, she just doesn't suit the hive life. <laughs> Have you seen her? You'll never believe, uh, but she appeared to save me and uh, my friends from an avalanche uh, recently. She's out and about in the city somewhere. Mm. So don't you worry, I've got a fair few words to say to her when I see her next. <laughs> Sounds like more family drama. Listen, um, I meant what I said earlier. The throne owes you a favour, and perhaps you don't want it. Perhaps you'd rather forget it, but everyone in the clan is better off under Helena than they would have been under Beryl. And at this point, you have walked through the courtyard and out to the main entrance, and you look to your left, next to the wall, you can see Idafer and Flynn and Murphy and a random purple tiefling, like, huddled together, <laughs> whispering to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just like okay so this is how we're going to do it we're going to break her out uh one of you is going to have to go around the outside and um there's someone behind me isn't there <laughs> idafa karen what a surprise to see you here uh <clears throat> and ido puts away his daggers uh yeah we heard you'd been captured Oh, captured, captured, not at all. I was merely visiting my family home. And she kind of gestures to all of the gold bullshit. And she says, uh, my dear cousin here, uh, Jade. And now that we've all met each other, I think it's rather time for me to leave now. Because there's just so much gold here and it's hurting my eyes. <laughs> Jade bows and says, uh, any friend of Karen Stonecutter is a friend of the Gold Seekers. I'll choose not to hear that last part. And she <laughs> turns around and goes back into the clan hall. And Murphy's kind of like, well, that's resolved. Can we go do the my thing now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's go. Let's well, I don't, think, I don't think it's resolved yet, quite yet, darling. But uh, yes, of course, anything to take my mind off this place. Um, who are you? The tiefling shakes your hand and says, Well, it's very nice to meet you. My name is Poet. I am your guide through the Underdark. That sounds fantastic. Uh, we don't see a lot of tieflings around here. No, not many. I've not been here long. Hmm. Interesting. You haven't been here long and yet you know the Underdark. I'm from the Underdark. Oh. It's a long story. 
I came to the surface when I was younger. Hmm, interesting. Well, long story or not, I'm sure I'd love to hear all about it on the funicular on the way down. Uh, have you met Frankie? He's, uh, he's an inventor. Very, very bright. Frankie co- uh, chokes on his popcorn. Stop eating popcorn! How long has that been in your bag? <laughs> an inventor doesn't worry about things like how long food's been in a place. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely they do. <clears throat> Introduce yourself to the nice man. I've got more important things to worry about. <laughs> and he uh, offers to shake, uh, sh- shake his hand <laughs> with his popcorn hands. Poet absolutely shakes your hand. <laughs> He's very warm with his handshake. Roll a perception check. Uh, actually, roll a perception or an insight check. That is a four. Sorry, six. Okay. Poet leans forward and shakes your hand, uh, and smiles warmly and says, It's very nice to meet you, Francis. Francis? No one ever calls me Francis. <laughs> It is a day or so later, and you're a little way outside the Forge City. Poet has led the five of you to a particularly ancient hive site. Its proximity to the volcano means it probably would have been one of the very earliest mines uh, first dug for the Forge. Mm. Uh, you traveled out of the city. If anyone wants to do any shopping, you're welcome to have done any shopping before you left, but I think we did that before we left Ymir City, so we're probably alright. Karen would have, I'm just saying this for the the good of the party, Karen would have recharged the Ring of the Ram as subtly as possible. Where are you finding grass on a volcano? Oh. Well, she's she's giving it a go. Can I, should I roll to roll, see if I can find grass? Roll your nature or survival check to see if you can find any suitable grass. That's a two. Um, so, no. No, you haven't found any suitable grass. I have a question. For flavor, can, just while we were walking around, could... Would there be any, like, I don't know, souvenirs or, like, a postcard place? Because Frank would like to buy a postcard and send <laughs> it to his family. Oh, sure. 100% yes. You take five copper pieces, which uh, ten copper equals one silver. Take five copper pieces from your inventory. And, yeah, absolutely. You can, you can buy, a, buy a postcard. The post doesn't quite work the same here. Like it does, like it does in Yemiya City. You'd have to, you know, put it on the next caravan that would go from the forge to Ymir. They are kind of rare, like the great uh, the Stonecutter caravan is one of them. Um, you might end up sending it and getting back home before the next like <laughs> mail route goes, but yeah, yeah, you can absolutely get a postcard to try and send it. Wait, okay. What does it say in your postcard? Okay, so Frankie was going to try and say, the weather is beautiful, I wish you were here, but it actually ends up saying, uh, you're beautiful and the weather is here. I don't, I don't know. He, he would have been like in a hurry to try and send it and, and, and you know, carry on with the with the group. But uh, that, that's what it says. <laughs> it says beautiful, it says. I wish you were here. Cool. The weather is here, I wish you were beautiful. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyone else have anything to do within the Forge City proper before we uh, leave and, and head, down, head underground? Let me ask Poet for any recommended, like, gear that we'd need. Because he's been to the Underdark, right? So if we need, like, long ropes... I'd be keen to find that out. So I'm pretty sure you already have your basic adventurer's kits in your inventories, and those oftentimes have have rope uh, and torches, which are the main things that you'll probably need to travel to the Underdark. I got 60 feet of rope and some torches. I would like to buy specifically a dungeoneering pack. I've got an explorer's pack. 
but I think an engineering pack might be more useful. Mm. I will stick it, I will stick all of the stuff into the bag of holding, but some of the things that are in the dungeoneering pack I think is a little bit more useful, like the pickaxes and the things that you stick on the wall that you can climb up and stuff like that. Right, dungeoneering's pack contains a crowbar, a hammer, pythons, torches, a tinderbox, and a water skin, um, and 50 feet of rope. Yeah. Um, so is there anything, are you specifically looking for like a climber's kit or are you just looking for like like the pythons and stuff? Well, I'm I'm imagining that in this kind of scenario there would be um, just starting out on your miner's journey, pick up one of these packs. Yeah. Um, and it would yeah, be so, so there are a lot of uh, <laughs> places around for people to buy mining equipment and like, yeah. you know, personal, personal, you know, head torches and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah absolutely. 10 gold pieces gold pieces. Ten, 10 gold will do that just fine. Lovely. Um, and that'll give you everything that you need. Uh, everything that, that, a, that a, you know, a first time miner would buy. Yes. Um, Flynn was also like a head torch because he thinks it looks cool and it's handy because I don't have dark vision. Oh yeah. It is essentially just a hat with a, with like a little holder on it for a torch. <laughs> Not quite like electric light doesn't exist. So it's just, you know, a regular <laughs> hat and it's just got a little holder that you could put a torch on. <laughs> Frankie would like to use uh, one of his uh, abilities, uh, magical tinkering, to make a tiny non-magical object as an action and give it one of the following magical properties. So I'm going to give it the ability to more or less cast uh, light on it. So, What object are you going to choose? He's going to do that. Just like pick up like a tiny stone, uh, smear this salve that he made, light it on fire but it's not fire it's just light and then stick it to his forehead okay great <laughs> invention yeah that's cool so you've, you've basically got like a finger drawn like wall paint stripe across your forehead that's casting light yeah just oh. slapped on like simba on you know lion king but like messy and frankie like so yeah and anybody else anybody else want some yep cool cool, cool. no cool Idafa, do you have any prep to go on the ground that you need to do, or are you pretty happy? Um, I just want to grab some food, because I remember that we kind of ate everything um, on our way here. So, Karen, you got 10 days worth of rations when you bought that new Dungeoneering kit. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good point, uh, that you guys are probably out of rations by this point. So. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. And we probably would have gone and had lunch. Karen would have shouted everybody lunch. Uh, thanks, Karen. So rations would be five silver per day. So essentially it's like one gold, two days worth of food. Um, so how many days worth of rations would you like to get? Has Poet indicated how long it will take roughly? Not really. He's indicated that you probably won't be down there for a week, but like it'll probably take a, maybe a day to two days to get where you need to go. But he doesn't really know what it is that you're doing. He just knows where you're going. You're not necessarily going to be going there and then coming straight back up. So minimum four days, but maybe more. Yeah, I'll just grab a week's worth. So seven days of rations. Cool. That is uh, three gold pieces and five silver pieces if you're getting Sweet. seven days worth. Uh, Flynn, are you also buying food? I was thinking about that. Yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay. Jump back to the day and a half later. And Murphy is standing with his hands on his hips looking at this carved out section of you know of hives in the wall of this mountain and he looks over at poet and he's like are you sure about this i don't see anything and poet uh smiles and says uh i assure you what you're looking for is this way uh and then he produces a tube 
Uh, and go ahead and roll me an Arcana check, everybody. Ooh. Oh, dear. That is a 17 for Karen. She must have seen these being used before in the mines. That's a natural one. Uh, 16 for Flynn. 21 for Frankie. Yeah, Frankie uh, and Karen and Flynn again. <laughs> oh, sorry, Nick. No, it's usually it's usually Frankie who's not paying attention. Uh, everyone except Idafa, um, you recognize this tube. This is the same type of tube that the city guards use at the gates when they're trying to detect magical items being brought into or out of the city. Mm. And Poet produces this tube and he hands it to Frankie and he smiles and he gestures to you to look through it at the scoops that are dug out of the of the mountain. Frankie 100% looks through it. You will see essentially the world with kind of like an infrared sort of lens over the top of it. So it's got that like sort of weird filter, but one of the bottom scoops that has been dug out of the wall, because essentially I, I don't think I need to explain it again, but what you're looking at is the dwarves arrive in a place, figure out they want to mine there, and then they just dig parts out of the wall of the mountain to live in essentially. So it's just like a little sheltered space. And they're all together in a section, which is why the hives are called the hives. But the bottom center one, the back wall of the scoop that is dug out, uh, is is glowing green uh, when viewed through the tube. Oh, green. (laughs) What does the green mean? Magic. Poet smiles and again just like gestures you uh, to go up and check it out. Karen will go over and have a look at the whatever it is. I suppose it's like a rock face in the back of the scoop. What do you do? She's going to investigate it using her dwarven rock stuff. Her knowledge of stonework? Her knowledge of stonework. Do me an investigation roll. Don't roll a two. Okay. That is a 13. Yeah. Literally, as soon as you go to investigate it, you lay your hands on it as you would with any sort of given investigation, and your hand goes right through it. And she goes, oh! Oh! (laughs) Poet, that's uh, that's a nut, that's a mean trick, but she's she's kind of smiling. So the back wall of this one scoop appears to be some kind of illusion. And Karen's going to turn around, so her back's facing the illusion, and say, "Well, I'll see you on the other side, everybody." And she's just going to step backwards into it. While this is going on, Idafa, you feel something press into the palm of your hand. Wait, what? <laughs> And he looks down and opens it up and... There's a little folded up note in like a very, very small piece of paper, Jameson Bruford's paper, in your hand. It's a little scribbled note. Uh, and what it says on it in Thieves' Cant, it says, Keep an eye on this guy. I don't trust him. He still hasn't named his price. M. Oh. Okay. I look around and see. I, can I see anyone in the vicinity other than us? Murphy's standing right behind you. <laughs> Did, sorry, no, I forgot. Yeah, yeah I was like, you were like Gleebles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, the the note has like an M, and then the M is scribbled out, and then there's a G. <laughs> <laughs> I look at Murphy with like confusion to see if I can pick anything else up from him. He basically just looks at you. He definitely <laughs> did give you the note from the way that he's meeting your eye line, and he kind of shrugs and just nods at the note. Okay. I'll just sneak that into my pocket and I'll kind of tag behind. I'll just go behind everyone else. Okay. Uh, Poet gestures for his tube back, Frankie. Frankie reluctantly gives it back to him. Mm. Uh, And then Poet smiles and bows to you all and says, well, friends, onwards to adventure. (laughs) (laughs) 
The first hour of your journey, you're mostly traveling single file down an abandoned mineshaft. Uh, how do you travel? Who has dark vision? Who doesn't? What order are you traveling? How are you uh, keeping yourselves safe? So Karen is taking point unless Poet is specifically saying that he's going to go first. Poet wants to be near the front, but he doesn't insist on being point. Okay, yeah. So Karen is leading the party and she's making it possibly slower than <laughs> anybody thinks it needs to be. She is very extremely cautious. Like she is a cautious woman and she is a very meticulous worker, but this is an abundance of caution that she is showing down in the mines. Are you displaying any kind of like nervousness or any kind of like mental anguish about being down in a dwarven mine? Oh, I believe that people would have to roll for that. Okay, fair. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Karen is tr trying very hard not to uh, show any kind of distress, but she is taking it very slow. She's being very cautious. She is, you know, marking the cavern. She is uh, telling people to stop, and she goes ahead on her own, and she knocks the roof, she knocks the walls. She lights a few fires ahead a couple of times just to check for mine gas. She's uh, being extremely cautious down in the mines. Who is behind Poet? Uh, I can go behind Poet. Cool. And then who's behind Flynn? Frankie. And Frankie and Flynn, you two are the ones who don't have dark vision. So <laughs> uh, Flynn, you are making use of your head torch that you bought. Yep. Frankie, and you have your luminescence gel that you have on your forehead? Yes. <laughs> Frankie has that dripping all over his face. <laughs> I love the luminescent gel. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then Poppy, do you want to be in front of Murphy or behind Murphy? I'll stay in front of Murphy. So Murphy is at the back? Yeah. Okay, cool. So you are all traveling, I said the first hour of your journey, but with Karen being overly cautious, it's probably more like two hours. <laughs> Sorry! And her tiny legs. It is single file, <laughs> it is spooky, every footstep and noise that you make is amplified up and down the tunnel echoes are haunting you. It's dark and it's damp. Every intersection that you come across, a uh, poet deliberates for a moment, sometimes sniffing or, or shushing everyone so that he can listen. But he always, when he makes his decision, he confidently picks your path. Uh, aside from the mine tracks, there are no signs of life anywhere here. Everything is trampled, dark, cold, and dead. Normally. Can Ido just kind of... He's keeping a real strong eye on Poet now because he's been told to. Can he just roll perception to see if he's, you know, these choices he's making of where we're going are indicative or anything? So there are two people in between you and Poet and it's fairly single file and Frankie is... Actually, no, we established that you're canonically taller than Frankie. So yeah, go ahead and roll... I was going to give you disadvantage, but just go ahead and roll me a perception check. Okay. Or an insight check if you want to be more into, like, why he's making these decisions. Well, neither is good, but I'll go with perception, which is seven. <laughs> Don't pick up on anything. He's not, like, you know, being shifty with his eyes. He's just doing the job that he's here to do. Okay. You know, you're traveling together. He's, like, every time Karen makes a recommendation, he follows it. Sometimes offers advice because, again, he says that he, he claims to be from the Underdark. And so he seems feel, like he seems fairly comfortable down here, if you know, careful. But you don't pick up on anything suspicious. Okay, I'll keep an eye on him. After a while, uh, poet stops just abruptly. 
uh, Karen, it takes you a minute to realize that the rest of the, not a minute, like it takes you a moment to realize that the rest of the party is not immediately behind you. <laughs> and you turn around and you can see a poet like with his ear pressed up against a wall. And then he turns and he puts his face right up against the wall and his eyes glow blue for a moment, about 20 to 30 seconds. He then reaches into his jacket pocket and he produces four pieces of blue electrum. Um, and he pe- presses them uh, against against the wall with his palms. The the blue glow comes from underneath his palms, and the stone wall begins to warp. Uh, first, beginning to shift, and then it forms a five foot tunnel that you can all easily fit through, <laughs> through to an open space. There is a dull blue glowing coming from the other side. Nice. Cool. Poet walks through the tunnel that he's created. <laughs> Uh, Karen will quickly hustle back to make sure that nobody goes ahead of her and she will, of course, before letting anybody else through, Poet's already gone through, she'll check the um, edges for construction and for uh, solidness. I'm not a miner, I don't know. Go ahead, roll me an investigation check. You can have advantage because because you're a dwarf. I'm a dwarf. She's making sure everything's solid. When we go through the tunnel, I'm going to pick up my dagger. Just have a ruby. Okay. I mean, that's a 10. Yeah. It's a good tunnel. It's smooth. <laughs> the mine that you've been working through was dug out with tools, so naturally it's not going to have like a smooth walls or a smooth floor. It's been chipped away. This is like a beautiful shaped tunnel that looks like a doorway that just goes straight through um, five foot by five foot to another open space. Doesn't Like, Poet walked through it with no concern or caution. He seemed to trust it. Okay, Karen. Yeah, Karen will go through first and she'll say, uh, Watch your head, boys. I'm fine speaking to Frankie and Idafa. <laughs> <laughs> As we're walking through, I'm just going to stop Frankie for a second, and I'll be like, Frankie, did you see his eyes? That they're, they're like mine, but blue. Oh. Like, I know he's a tiefling, but there's got to be something there, right? Hmm. Yes. I've noticed that, and I've been drawing my own conclusions. <laughs> just for clarification, his eyes are naturally green, just like yours, but when you put his face up against the wall um, to obviously, like, look... Um, he was using some kind of spell or effect that made them glow for a moment. Okay. Well, anyway, we had a small conversation about that and then we're going through the tunnels. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time since you first went underground, you see life. Bugs scuttle around, bats hang from stalactites on the ceiling, luminescent lichen bathes the area in a cool blue glow. Between the abandoned mine and this naturally occurring cave that you found yourself in, the difference is truly staggering. I'm gonna pick up some guano. Oh. Well done. You have one handful of bat feces. Well done. <laughs> Poet scans around the cave uh, and then sits for a moment with his eyes closed, uh, breathing e- evenly, and he says, uh, oh, "Sorry, young ones. I just need to rest my bones for a moment. We'll uh, we'll start getting deeper pretty soon." It's fine. How do you all spend the time? Karen just kind of, after checking the cavern out, she just kind of sits down and uh, kind of tucks her legs up and looks uncomfortable. (laughs) She's not talking to anyone, she's just kind of like scratching the back of her neck and uh, just looking very uncomfortable while she sits and waits. Is Poet asleep or is he just having a chill? He's just resting. He's he's got his eyes closed but he's not asleep, he's just, you've been travelling for a while at this point, you've been travelling for about a day and a bit. And he's quite old, so he's just having a sit down. 
We might as well have a sleep, right? If we've been traveling for a day. Well, okay, I'll be more specific. You traveled out of the you traveled out of the forge. Um, you rested at night and then you traveled for about half a day to where the where the entrance to this mine is and then you've been traveling through the mine for about two hours. You could have a nap if you want, but it's not really like go to sleep time yet. Oh, okay. I should have been more specific that you did you did sleep during the night oh, of which so we skipped over. <laughs> Just wondering, would that heal us at all? Yes. So anyone who needed to would have had access to a long rest. Okay. <laughs> Yay. No, oh, that's right. You took one damage, didn't you, Adfa? <laughs> Flynn, Frankie, what are you guys up to in this in this cave? I'm gonna look around because I'm a little bit bored. Okay. I still got some energy. I'll rest in a minute, but I'm just curious because I've never been a space like this before. What are you looking for? Um, just general investigation of the area. Just same. <laughs> okay, Frankie and Flynn, are you investigating together as a group, or are you investigating separately? Oh, want to be buddies? Investigation buddies? Uh, Frankie's happy to investigate separately, you know, taking <laughs> scientific notes and drawings and whatnot. Wow. Uh, both of you roll independent investigation checks then. That's yeah, wow. Well. <laughs> hey, you want to go together? <laughs> nah. <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> uh, that's a 28 for Frankie. Damn. I got 22. Okay. This is a like a fairly, I would say it's more of a cavern. It's not a it's not like a big, big, big cave, but there's like an, enough space here. It's probably about maybe 50 feet by 50 feet with a 20, maybe a 30 foot high ceiling. You find all sorts of stuff. Like Frankie, you get um, really stuck in, like you've never seen glowworms before, but they have them here. There are pieces of the wall that there are little worms with glowing string hanging down from them. That appears to be some kind of mechanism for attracting prey. Flynn, you find several exits to the cave that you're in. There are, and these are much less like what you were dealing with before was kind of a, a space that was designed for people of dwarven height or taller mm. to just walk through. Whereas you find a lot of sort of cracked uh, pathways out of here, but they all look like they're going to be a bit of a squeeze rather than being uh, specifically there for you to go through. They're just kind of the way that the land has settled. Karen has also, noticing that those two are roaming about, she's also said, don't go out of my sight. I'm going to mark those spaces that I found the exits with. I've got some chalk, so I'm just going to make, like, a smiley face beside the wall. You found three, so you can write a couple of little smiley faces on the wall. That's fine. <laughs> cool, can everyone roll me a perception check? Oh. That's a 15 for Ida. 20 natural. not natural for Karen. Natural 20 for Frankie. Nice. And 8 for Flip. Okay, so this is about maybe 30 minutes later. You know, you've you've examined the cave, you've looked around, you have sort of got to a point where you're all kind of like sitting, maybe not together, but sitting close enough to one another in sort of one space near where Poet is. And Frankie, you got a natural 20, right? Yep. Frankie, you just happen to look up over at Flynn. There's something strange dangling just behind Flynn. It's like a <laughs> flesh-colored thread or maybe a tentacle? Ooh. Oh god. Uh Frank is just gonna be like, Ew, what the fuck is that? Uh sorry, what what the clipluffle is that? Good <laughs> <laughs> point. Flynn, what is your AC? Oh god. Seventeen. When Frankie sort of freaks out and points at something behind you, you feel this tentacle wrap around you uh, oh, very, god. very quickly. <laughs> you are now grappled 
and until the grapple ends you are restrained and you have disadvantage on strength checks and saving throws and you look all of you look up to the destination that this uh this tentacle appears to have originated from and you see above you one of the stalactites has opened an eye and has sprouted a bunch of tentacles and opened a very very sharp toothed mouth and has grabbed Flynn you are dealing with a D&D creature known as a roper Oh, oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. Um, can everybody please go ahead and roll me initiative? Woo! Kia ora, Penny here. Just a few little things to talk about and then we'll get right back into it. Our Patreon has gone live. As of yesterday, you can now sign up to be a donor of the show. There are several tiers you can sign up with. All of them have access to Patreon-only exclusive content to do with JBPC. But at higher tiers, there will also be opportunities to affect and interact with the show. And maybe you can even play D&D with us at the right tier. The Patreon is our attempt to stay ad-free and keep up the release schedule without any of us burning out. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, not to mention the time that gets spent on editing. So if you enjoy our product, please consider stopping by patreon.com slash jbpcpodcast and pledging a monthly donation. We promise to do our best to make it worth your while. And already due to the Patreon, I've got a couple of new friends of the show to shout out. So thank you to James Courtright and thank you to Dusty from Gamers ADHD. The fact that you guys would sign up so quickly, I don't even have the right words to describe how happy that makes me um cheers you guys you're awesome friends of the show coming up in a few weeks our first live show of 2022 is happening on march 6th we're going to be playing a one-shot adventure live on twitch so please come and join me poppy nate steph liz and some special guests as we indulge in some fan service and have ourselves a beach episode I'm planning to do four of these shows in 2022, and I hope you choose to join us. Keep an eye on our social media for more details. Music credits, thanks to Noir et Blanc Vaille for Analog Cabin, Anno Domini Beats for Drop, RKVC for Falling in Slow Motion, Vans in Japan for Four More Weeks and Late Night Train, NoMB for Interplanetary Alignment, Nico Staff for Interstellar Mood, Reed Mathis for Outlaws Farewell Part 2, and Aaron Kenny for Seaside Plaza. As always, our social medias are facebook.com slash Podcast and at jbpcpodcast on Twitter. Stop by, give us a like, throw us a comment, you know you want to. Episode 27, Hivewood Bound Part 5, should release on February 27th. This is our longest arc yet, so we hope that you're ready to strap in for the long haul. More mysteries and underground dangers await our intrepid co-workers as we go. Well, on with the show. That's a 13 for Ido. Uh, Karen got a 5. Flynn got an 8. Frankie got a natural 20. Nice, Frankie. You're doing, you're doing great. Is it two net 20s in Damn. a row? Yes. Yeah. Only two natural 20s I've had this whole session, like, this <laughs> whole time you've been playing. Hey, One more and yeah. you can have inspiration. <laughs> oh, why, why not? Go ahead and take inspiration now. Two natural yeah. 20s in a row is pretty nice. Nice. Because dang, we need some. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
so there is a evil looking stalactite monster uh, on the ceiling above you. Uh, it has grabbed Flynn in one of its tentacles and uh, has has restrained him. Frankie, you're first. Flynn, I'll, I'll save you to make up for the fact that we did an investigate together. <laughs> and he quickly pulls out his crossbow and tries to shoot off a, a bolt at the Mr. Roper here. Go ahead and roll me an attack roll. Does an eight hit? An eight does not hit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, eight does not hit. <laughs> Uh, Murphy is going to be next. Murphy is also going to pull out um, a small hand crossbow, but when he shoots it, the bolt turns into a streak of fire. Ooh. It unfortunately also misses the rope. Goodness sake. And he like dives behind a rock and he's like, yeah, get away from this thing. It's got a lot more tentacles. (laughs) Uh, Idafa, you're next. Cool. All right. I'm going to whip out commands back up. How far is this thing from me? It's on the ceiling, so it's about 30 feet above you. But the tentacle is still at ground height. Okay, sweet as. Um, well, I'm just gonna like I'm and try and slice as many tentacles off as I can. Only one of them is within reach, and it's the one that has Flynn trapped. Okay, sweet. Well, I'll try and cut that. Let Flynn free. Cool. Go ahead and roll me an attack roll. Oh, I got a natural one penny. You trip and fall over. Oh no. You don't quite hurt yourself, but you are now prone. Oh. <laughs> uh. This is a naturally occurring cavern, so it's not a flat floor. And in the in the moment, you kind of forgot about that. And as soon as you lifted your foot to walk towards, you caught on a rock and you fell over. This is severely upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Flynn, you are next. You are currently oh, restrained. No. Okay. <laughs> what to do? Okay. So Flynn's going to... I'm going to bite the tentacle that's wrapped around me. Okay. I'm panicking. So roll me an attack roll. You're going to be using an arm strike as a uh, as a base for what this is. <laughs> and you have disadvantage on this attack. Does does a 15 hurt? A 15 does not hurt. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This, is, so this monster just... is going to be a bit of a challenge, I think. So I just put my mouth upon this tentacle right around me. Yeah. Just kind of goes... Ah. Yeah, you're yeah. chewing on it. You haven't done any damage to it. Do you have any bonus actions or anything else you want to do with your turn? Can I cast Bardic Inspiration as a bonus? Yes, you can. You might have to take the pinnacle out of your mouth. <laughs> Just let... <laughs> oh, you won't know who you're inspiring. <laughs> who hasn't gone? Karen. Oh, <laughs> this is like gesturing vigorously. Metagame like in the video chat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hmm, who hasn't been? Okay, so I'm... Panic at this point, but I'm like, guys, this is not the embrace that I wanted to be in. Can you please rescue me? You guys have got this. <laughs> okay, and you're gonna give bardic inspiration to Karen. Yep. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna yell up to Karen. Use your mama rescue bear skills. <laughs> and what does bardic inspiration do for me exactly? What can I use it for? You can add it to an attack roll, a saving throw, or a, a skill check. Yep. But once I've told you, oh, this happens, you can't go back mm-hmm. and add Bardic Inspiration to it then. Okay, absolutely fantastic. Uh, next up is the Roper. Oh. <laughs> the Roper is going to use its multi-attack. It's going to use four attacks with its tendrils. So uh, Murphy, Karen, uh, Frankie, and Ido, everybody except Poet is going to get an uh, attack with a, with a tendril. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to go okay. ahead to Murphy's first. That was a hit, so Murphy is now uh, grabbed by a tendril. So yeah, Murphy is now restrained by one of the tentacles. 
Oh. Uh, next up is going to be Karen. Okay. Does a fourteen hit you? E- yes, it does. Cool. You are now you are now grappled. Ah, oh, damn it. Frankie. Mm-hmm. Does an eleven hit you? No, it does not. Cool. And Idafa, does a fourteen hit you? Just. Okay. <laughs> Everybody except Frankie and Poet are now grappled. Oh, uh, it's going to use an attack called Real. It's going to it's going to pull everybody that is currently grappled up towards the ceiling, <laughs> twenty five feet. So you guys are all reeled up closer to the to the roper, um, and then it's going to use a bite attack. So it's going to it's going to bite Flynn. <laughs> the good news is is that it's no longer for everyone except uh, Frankie. It's no longer thirty feet up in the air. It's now within five feet of you. <laughs> cool. So the bite is twelve. Flynn, does a, does a 12 hit you? Oh no, it has advantage because you're grappled. Oh god. Does a 17 hit you? It, uh, I, I am a 17, so it beats, right? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it does. Damn, your AC is high. Let's go ahead, let's go ahead and roll this bite and see how much damage I can do to you. <laughs> so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for noticing, I am very lovely. <laughs> Flynn, you take 14 piercing damage. <laughs> okay. Uh, the Roper's turn is over, so I will I will just remind you because you've now been reeled in, you still have disadvantage on your attacks, um, unless you can find a good reason to cancel that out. Um, but you are now all within five feet of the Roper's main body. Wonderful. Next up is Karen. Okay, Karen is going to rage out. She's had enough of this cavern. She's had enough of this mountain, and she says, "I'll be." Damned if I let this mountain claim another one. And she's going to attack res- recklessly with her uh, temperate great axe. So I believe by attacking recklessly, it brings me back to not yeah, having. Yeah, cancels out the disadvantage. Absolutely. Okay, sick. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And she's going to use a fire attack on the roper um, with the temperate great axe. I'm going to add my um, little guy to Bardic that. Inspiration. Yep. Bardic inspiration. Woo! Um, that is a 20 to hit 20 does hit yes oh yes cool so go ahead and roll your rage attack Mm, absolutely uh that is a uh seven plus five uh slashing damage so by the way you sorry i haven't mentioned this yet i probably should just so you know it's an option everyone who has grappled on your turn you can make a strength uh strength check uh, of DC, a DC 15 strength check to try and get out of the grapple. It can also be dexterity, dexterity, can't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you're right. It can be, it can be um, athletics or acrobatics. And is that a bonus action, an action, a free action at it's the end of action, our turn? An action to escape a grapple. Okay, and that's also six fire damage. And Karen um, has kind of one hand free because she kind of got grappled in an odd, in an odd position um, as she was trying to get up. And she summons the temperate great axe into her free hand and just kind of brings it overhand onto the face of the creature, trying <laughs> to strike it in the eye with the fiery great axe. As she um, kind of screams at this at this roper creature. Okay. Question. Yeah. Now I'm attacking recklessly for my second attack. Does that also mean that I have advantage, which means it cancels out and it's normal? Yes, 100%. Okay, and I'm going to do that again. My second attack is going to be with uh, the... It was 12 slashing damage plus 6 fire damage. Okay, cool. And your second attack? Um, what, what did you roll to hit? 15. 
15 doesn't hit. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Second swing goes wide. Because you hit it in the eye with fire, I will give everyone as a reaction, so they can use their reaction to try and for just the moment that it's flinching from being hit in the eye, everybody can roll a, uh, a strength check to try and break out, keeping in mind that if you succeed, you will fall. 30 feet? Uh, yeah. 25. Uh, your strength check, I believe, should be at disadvantage, but because you're raging, the 25 does break out. Uh-huh. Yep, so you are now out of grapple, and you're going to fall. You're going to take three bludgeoning damage from your fall because you're raging. Actually, no, it's one because of your because of your bear. So yeah. you take one bludgeoning damage from falling. Did anybody yeah. else uh, choose to escape their grapples? Yeah, sorry, can I do dex instead of strength? Yes, you can. Hell yeah, baby. Sorry, was that with disadvantage? No, because it's only strength checks that are, that are brought to disadvantage. Sick, okay. In that case, 21. Yeah, so you do manage to escape the grapple. Um, so you're going to fall 30 feet to the ground unless you have something to stop yourself from taking damage. I do not. <laughs> you're going to take five bludgeoning damage uh, when you hit the ground. Okay. Flynn, are you going to try and escape? I did, and I have uh, 13. 13's not enough. <laughs> Murphy's going to try to escape. He rolled natural one. He's even more grappled than he was before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dingus Murphy. He just managed to squeeze him tighter. <laughs> Poet is up next. Poet is going to walk back. He's got like two glowing sort of like purple orbs of energy in his hands um, and he's going to fling them up and he's going to use Eldritch Blast. So just more tentacles. <laughs> that's two hits. Hell yeah. So he's going to do, oh, that's really, really good. Uh, so Poet rolled max damage uh, on both, uh, on one of them and then a nine on the other one. He's going to do uh, 19 damage uh, to the Roper's main body. There you go. You can figure out later what it means that he knows how to use that spell, but it's the heat of the moment right now, so we'll worry about that later. Top of the round, Frankie. Frankie is... Would he have seen Poet cast a spell? Yes. He did it out in the open in front of all of you. Okay, okay. Frankie is a little bit weary about casting spells, but he's going to just say, oh, you know, screw it. And he's going to cast his Firebolt. Uh, what is your target? Are you aiming for a tentacle or are you aiming for uh, the main body? Yeah, well, he's just going to aim for like the widest part. Okay, so that would be the main body. Try and give him the best uh, the best possibility of hitting. Cool, go ahead and roll a ranged spell attack. <laughs> does a 10 hit? A 10 does not hit, uh, unfortunately. Oof. Just oof. kidding. <laughs> you do have a DM given inspiration, so you can roll a second d20 and add that to your hit if you want to. I think it's going to try that. Yeah. Yeah. That's an 18 on the dice. Go on. Ooh. So you're probably 28 then? The DM awarded inspiration is a second D20 that you can add to, not not advantage. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, 28 does hit for a fireball. So go ahead and roll me the damage on that. Nice. That is a seven damage. Seven damage? Seven yes. fire damage. Seven fire damage. Nice work, Frankie. Murphy's up next. He is going to use his action to try and escape from the grapple. So he's going to roll uh, an acrobatics check. He does not succeed. He's wiggling and he's, yeah, what's going on? But he doesn't quite get there. He should have bubbled. Yeah, he, he definitely should have done the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> Idafe, you're next. All right. I will take out commands back up again and try this again. Is there still a tentacle in range, though? Who, so there was one person that attempted to escape from, that escape from a tentacle while they're on the ground, right? Yeah, that was Frankie. Yeah, so the one that the one that tried to grab Frankie last round is still within reach if you want to use do, uh, hit that one. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. 
Cool. We'll go ahead and roll me an attack roll with comments back up. Oh, Penny. Yeah? Can you guess what I got? Is it a natural one? Yeah. Yeah, you fall over again. So I'm prone again. Yeah, you're prone again. Which I'm going to dice. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I think you're prone to that one. Flynn, you're up. This is going to sound weird, but how close to its eye is my mouth? Um, you know you you know you have spells, right? You don't have to bite everything. <laughs> no, this is this is for a spell. Fairly close. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So I'm going to cast Mage Hand and to take out of my pocket my minty my minty breath mint. Okay. And some metal ball bearings. Okay. This this sounds like because Mage Hand is an action. It sounds like this is two actions. No, this is well, because uh, casting Mage Hand by itself is an action, um, and it sounds like you want to do something with an item, which is also an action. Yeah. So at this this stage, I was just casting it and then getting it to get something out of my pocket. Okay, that that, that is mine. fine. But you can't make another action than that. Yeah, it's still one hand though. Well, you can I hold multiple things out of my hand. pocket. Yeah, okay, sure. I'll I'll let that I'll let that go. I wanna see what I wanna see what you've got coming in. Why can't turn. I hold all these lines? <laughs> Why can't I hold all these ball bearings? And a mint. <laughs> the roper is next. Um it's gonna do it. It's just got one thing that it does, which is it tries to grab everybody with tentacles. Like <laughs> Karen, it doesn't like you, so it's not gonna choose you. So it's gonna be uh, everyone except Karen. So it's gonna be Idafa, Poet, Frankie. Oh, and Karen, because Murphy's already up there. So yeah, I'm gonna do uh, four attacks. Don't forget advantage on me. Yeah, so Ida is going to hit go advantage on you. 12 plus 7, 19. You are grappled. <laughs> I, also, I also attacked recklessly, so it does have advantage against Karen as well. Cool, good to know. Poet is also grappled. Frankie? Uh, Frankie, what's your AC? 14. Yeah, you are grappled. Ah, oh, snap. And Karen, uh, first one's a 10. Mm-hmm. Second one is a 12. Ah, uh, my AC is a 13. Yeah, cool. Not grappled. Um, it's going to use real, so it's going to pull everyone except Karen up to its height, um, which is 25 feet up in the air, and then it's going to make a bite attack against Flynn. <laughs> Flynn does a 16 hit. No. <laughs> it tried to bite you, but it didn't quite manage it. It tried to bite you at the same time as really everybody else in. Didn't quite work. <laughs> cool. Next up is Karen. Okay, so there's still a kind of tentacle down near Karen? Yes, there is. She's going to uh, hit that again. Now she's not grappled. Um, she's going to attack recklessly again, which gives her advantage. Cool, go ahead. 19 to hit. 19 does not hit. What? What? I don't make the, the monster stat blocks. Ah! It's AC is 20. Oh my god. Oh my no. god. Oh no, wait, I added that up wrong. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, 16, it's a 16 plus 8, not a 16. So yes, uh, a 24 does hit. 20, 24, 24 does hit. Oh, thank God. I'm using a D&D, like, proper book monster stat block, not one that I've made up. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's good. And that's 1d12 plus 5. That is a 12. 12 plus 5, 17, slashing damage. And then for my second attack. You lop through the tentacle. It only had 10 HP, and you have sliced it off. Is there anything I can reach for my second attack? Not unless you have a ranged attack. Every Everyone is that. 25 feet above you, so if you don't have anything... Um, I will let you make a non-attack action if, as long as it's not, like... For example, you could throw a rock, mm. or you mm. could um, try and do something else, but you can't reach it if all you have is a great axe. Okay, I will, instead of my second attack, I will instead position myself underneath Flynn. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to try catch him as a reaction? 
yes, as a reaction, I would like to try and catch Flynn. Because I can see he's brewing something up there. Okay, cool. Very good. So it is Poet's turn. Poet is going to use a bonus action uh, Misty Step. He is going to teleport out of the restraint uh, and back down to the ground next to Karen. And then he is going to uh, wield an Electrum and do Eldritch Blast again. Uh, One hit. Uh, not as good. Not as good this time. Only only two damage. Ooh, oh, well. That's two more damage than it did have. Uh, he's a little bit shaky from being grabbed, um, but he did have a teleport in his uh, in his things that he could do. Mm-hmm. Back to the top of the round, Frankie, you are currently grappled. What would you like to do? Uh, can Frankie try and break out of it? Yep, so that's going to be an action. You can either roll an athletics or an acrobatics check. Uh, I'm going to try uh, and roll dexterity. That's an acrobatics check. Yep, that's right. Okay, here we go. That is an 11. 11 does not do it, unfortunately. Do you have any bonus actions that you'd like to do? Frankie would like to bonus action cry. Okay, yep, you're allowed to do that. As he cannot get out and he thinks he's going to die. Oh, Murphy is going to try and break out. He's going to do an acrobatics check. Oh, he did it. Nice. Murphy manages to finally unwrap himself from the tentacle uh, and he is going to fall. Karen, I will let you use your reaction to uh, catch Murphy instead of Flynn if you want to. Yep, I want to catch Murphy. Can you just roll me an athletics check? Absolutely, I can. That is a 18. You catch him easily. Um, he takes no damage. Pop him down on his feet and he's like, oh, thanks Karen, I owe you one. How's a 10% discount sound? Ooh. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Next up is going to be Idafer. This time I'm just going to try and attack him from inside his grasp, which is disadvantage, right? Yes, which are you using the comments back up? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, so you are you are attacking at disadvantage. Oh, dear God, okay. You can do Come it. on, baby. You've got it. No, I don't got it. Oh. What'd you get? I got 14 in total. Yeah, so unfortunately not enough. After Ido, Flynn, what have you got this round for us, bud? So can I, to try and get out of the grapple, is that, that's a bonus Action. No, it's an action. Uh, no, I don't want that. So I want to command the my mage hand to drop my breath mint into my me mouth. Okay. And I I don't want to use that to push ice breath into its into its eye. It's a Constitution saving throw. That's pretty cool. So he's going to go ahead and make a Constitution saving throw. He doesn't have great Constitution. We'll find out. What is your spell save DC? He got eleven, so I think he's not going to make it. Fifteen. Yeah, so yeah, he unfortunately does not save, so go ahead and roll. Uh, Frost Breath is 4d6 cold damage on a failed save, as far as I can tell. What is what does your one say? Oh, uh, mine only says 1d6 cold damage. Cool, okay, there you go, 1d6 cold damage. Get it, get it. I wish I wasn't honest. No. <laughs> Five cold damage. That wasn't too bad. <laughs> cool, and as a reaction, after it takes damage, anyone who is currently grappled can roll a check to see if they can escape as a reaction. Oh, and that's 20 and an 8. <laughs> I got 21, so I assume I'm free? Yep, you are free, but you're also falling. 5 damage again, or? Uh, no, roll 2d4. 5 damage. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you do take 5 damage, yeah. Frankie got a 19. 19 does escape. Yay! Yay! So you are falling to the ground. Go ahead and roll me 2, unless you have a reason to ignore full damage, roll me 2d4 for full damage. I would like to ignore full damage because he doesn't want to get hurt. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. I snap. Uh, <laughs> Frankie rolled a six. So six bludgeoning damage as you fall. Uh, now it's going to be the Roper's turn. The Roper pretty much just does do one thing. 
Um, so I believe everyone. Oh, Flynn, you're still you're still up there, aren't you? Did you try to escape? Oh yeah, but I only got an eight. <laughs> okay, so it's gonna go for um, it's gonna go for Karen. Mm-hmm. Which is advantage against you? Yeah, Twelve not gonna cut it. Twelve is not gonna cut it. Oh, it rolled really low on both of those. Okay, so <laughs> you go for Ifa. Does eleven hit you, Ifa? No. He's doing rubbish. He's doing so rubbish. Frankie. <laughs> oh my god, it rolled a natural one. <gasps> it's hurt. Frankie, it was eight. Uh, didn't quite, didn't quite make it. It rolled a natural one. What can I do as a penalty? It tries to grab you, and it grapples a rock instead. <laughs> And last but not least, it's going to go for Poet, uh, which it got uh, 14. Let me see. Uh, it does grab Poet. Uh, Poet is now grappled. Oh. Okay, that's his turn. He's going to reel, so he's going to bring everyone up. So he's now got a rock and Poet. He's going to bring up to, uh, to height. Um, <laughs> Flynn, he's going to take another bite at you, bud. Oh, yeah. oh no. I tasty. Oh, man. Them. Does 15 Does fifteen hit you? No. Damn it. Yay. I, was doing, I was doing so well. <laughs> okay, next up is Karen. Yes. Karen is going to take a big old slice recklessly. Uh, oh, so there are tentacles within your reach, yeah, the ones that missed. Um, she, she's going to recklessly swing at those. Uh, the first attack is a 20. 20 does hit. Does hit. That's another 12 plus 5 slashing damage. <laughs> Nice, yeah, you slice that you slice that tentacle off. Slice that, that tentacle off. That, that tentacle's defeated. And then she kind of leaps over to the tentacle that's next to Frankie. And no, because that one got a rock. Okay. She's gonna leap over to the tentacle that's next to Idafa and she's gonna uh, try to flash that one too. That is a twenty-seven to hit. Yeah, so that hits. Hell yeah. And that is a seven plus five slashing damage. Yeah, so you slice that tentacle off as well. It's now missing three of its tentacles. And as a bonus action, I would like to, if I can, as a bonus action, I would like to position myself underneath Flynn again. Cool. Yep, that's fine. You, you're welcome to do that. So you can use your reaction to catch him if he falls. Nice. Or catch the rock if that falls and you decide that you want that more. Oh, okay. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next up is is Poet. Uh, Poet is right next to the thing. He's going to go ahead and make some ranged spell attacks with Eldritch Blast. Ooh, one of them's a natural 20. Ooh, 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 he did the thing again. He got max damage on one and nine on the other one. And a four. So 14 plus nine, 23 more damage. Oh, this thing's getting pretty hurt. So he's like... Blam, blam, blast it, blast it right in the face. Blam, blam. He's not going to use Misty Step uh, to get out this time. He's just going to stay where he is. Doesn't have another bonus action that he'd like to use. Uh, next up, Frankie. Hey, Frankie is going to try and hit it again with the crossbow. Yeah, cool. Go ahead and roll me an attack roll. <laughs> that is a 15. 15? Yes, 15. Yeah, sorry. Still not quite doing it, eh? You're going to find any way to get to yourself some advantage. Yeah. Any, any bonus actions you'd like to take? Uh, Frankie can try and find cover so he doesn't, well, has a bit more advantage of not getting grappled. Yep. That, that will give you plus two to your AC next turn. Okay, thanks. After that is uh, Murphy. Murphy's going to pull out the glass orb that you saw him using in the cave with the Yeti, and he's going to crouch down and a, like a bubble uh, is going to appear around him. He's like, sorry guys, I only got one. Uh, Idafa, you're next. Okay. I'm going to use sleep on it. Oh. 
if it does fall asleep, will it let go of whoever it's holding? There's one way to find out. Okay. All right. So I roll 5d8, and okay. if the total of that is higher than his current HP, then he falls asleep. Oh, do you want to know what his current HP is? Yeah, I guess I do, yeah. Okay. Oh, damn, now I have to do math. Uh, his, <laughs> current H- his current HP is 29? 29? Yeah, 29. Okay. All right. So I've got to do it in two rolls because I've only got three. Fingers crossed. That's not looking good. Okay. Uh, that's seven. This is not going to work. So that's seven's good. No. In total, it's uh, 16. Damn, that's low for 5d8. I was like, that's a potential of 40 if you can get higher. Yeah, enough. that was terrible. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Yeah, that does. That's okay. Run. I was going to say, with my bonus action, can I hide? That's fine. You can bonus action hide. And if you, as long as you remain hidden next turn, you have advantage on your attack. Sweet. Which means sneak attack. Sneak attack. Uh, Lynn. I'm going to use Mage Hand to pick up one of my ball bearings and hold it in the creature's mouth. So, like, just above its tongue, in the middle of its mouth. Is that, is, can I move the Mage Hand and cast a spell? Tell me what Mage Hand says. Does it say it's an action to move the hand, or does it say it's a bonus action to move the hand? It says you can use your action to control the hand. You can use the hand to manipulate. Yeah, yeah. so it's an action to... So you basically put a ball bearing in its mouth. Yeah. Well, it's... I know, I know, I'm holding it hovering. I'm holding it hovering so I can still see it. <laughs> is this the heat thing again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but if it's not touching, if it's not touching him... I can heat it and then I can drop it. Okay, sure. I've thought about this. <laughs> Slowly. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Next up is Roper. Uh, Roper is going to use... A special ability to replace one of its three missing tentacles. So it currently has one spare. Ooh. And it is going to go for, can't go for Idafa. It's going to go for Frankie. Frankie, does a 13 hit you? No, my AC is 14. Cool. It went for, uh, is, is that including the plus two that you got from being undercover? No, so it's 16. Okay. It only got 13 going to grapple you. So it can't do anything. It can't use real because everyone's at top. Um, it's going to use a bite attack. This time it's going to try and do a bite attack on Poet. It does hit. So it's going to be 4d8 plus 4. Uh, Poet's going to take uh, 11 piercing damage and he screams. Oh. He do a, he do a scream. He did not like that. Oh. Next up is uh, after Roper is Karen. Oh, he does big scream. But are there any tentacles down here which I can get at? There is one tentacle that you can get at. Okay, I'm going to um, recklessly attack that one. Cool. Yep. Go ahead. It's it's next to Frankie. Lovely. That is a twenty-two to hit. Twenty-two hits. Yay! And oh, that's only a six. Six uh, does not kill it, so you can go for another attack. Absolutely, I will. That is a oh, that's only an eighteen to hit, which I don't believe hits. Eighteen doesn't hit. Yeah. Uh, Karen gets a little bit too excited and whiffs the second one. But she does position herself in between Frankie and the tentacle. Okay. Next up is going to be Poet. He's going to look at it. He's going to be like, oh, <laughs> screw it. And he's going to, he starts to glow with like black light. Yeah. Like any lines on his body and in his suit begin to glow black. And he's going to use a spell called Blight. Yeah. Use a spell slot. So yeah, this is this is this does use a spell slot. Yeah, and it also takes four electrum. Mm. So he's going to use blight. Uh, the target has to make a Constitution saving throw, which it passes. So it's going to be half the damage. It's going to be eight d eight necrotic damage. Ooh, wow. 
a stinky sushi. But only half. So it's 38. Uh, so the creature's going to take 16 necrotic damage. And Poet yells down to you guys and says, like, I'm tapped. I hope you've got something. Uh-oh. Sorry, bud. Okay, next up is Frankie. Frankie's going to try and shoot at it again with the crossbow from behind the rock. Because okay. he's scared. Cool. Go ahead and roll me an attack roll. That is a 19. 19 doesn't hit. Yep. Sorry, bud. You're getting so close. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's dark, and the fact that you have, like, a glare in your eyes is kind of um, making it really difficult for you to um, for you to see. Like, have you ever tried to drive while the light's on? Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah that's, that's the reason he's missing, totally. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Next up, Murphy, uh, who's going to continue to cower in his hamster ball. Uh, Idafa, you are currently hidden. Do I get advantage? You do. Okay, cool. I'm going to try throw a dagger. If I do hit, I can use sneak attack, right? Because he's got other people in his tentacles. Yes. Do I have any tentacles near me? Yeah, there is one near you, but I'll give you a little piece of advice. Is it only has 4 HP, and if you destroy a tentacle, it doesn't do any damage to the main roper. To the, the main roper. <laughs> Shoot at it. Um, how much HP does it have? I can't tell you that right now. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, no, I'll just do it. I'll, um... Use my bonus action to get rid of Conman and take out Dagger. Is that right? That's that's fine. Okay. Oh, okay. I got twenty. Yes, you did it. Yes. AC is twenty. So from your hiding place, you throw your dagger. Go ahead and roll me damage with sneak attack. So it is seven, eight, nine, plus seven, uh, sixteen damage. Nice. Yeah, nice. You throw your dagger um, and you hit it square in the eye. And it starts squealing and all of its tentacles begin waving around and it falls dragged down by the rock that it's holding and uh, unsticks itself from the ceiling uh, and falls bringing Poet and and Flynn with it. Uh, Flynn, just go ahead and roll me an acrobatic check and see if you can um, use the body of the roper to uh, cushion yourself. Ooh, 18. Yep, you do manage that. Uh, Poet rolled a natural one. So, (laughs) So the roper lands on Poet Oh, and then no. you land on the roper. <laughs> oh god, it's dead. So you take you take no damage from from being uh, falling, but he's gonna take maximum. He takes he's gonna take ten bludgeoning damage from his fall. Oh my god! And that's it. The roper is dead. Oh. And from underneath of it, he's like, uh, "Somebody, please get this thing off me." <laughs> All right, I would I'd like to roll a athletic to lift it off. I'm gonna hop off first. That's <laughs> nice a. List. <laughs> That's twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah, absolutely. You oh. roll. You roll off of him, and he's and he's just lying there in his white suit, <laughs> just looking real tired, breathing heavily. <laughs> and that's it. And the Roper is is dead. And <laughs> poet seems all right. And no one else died other than the Roper. Yay! Well done, team. That thing was. And then Murphy says, "Hey, do you guys hear that?" Oh, oh. no! Oh no! <laughs> roll me perception check. Oh, oh, um, 23 for Karen. I got 23, by the way. I got 24. 17. Yeah, all four of you. From back the way you came, through that nice shaped tunnel that Poet provided you with, you hear it. Multiple footsteps coming down the tunnel towards you. Poet stands up and he looks back towards and he's like, let's run.
I, Beryl Goldseeker, rightful queen to the throne, and you will treat me as such. Thank you for listening to the show, and call your mother. She's older and wiser than you, and you wouldn't even be here if it weren't for her sacrifices. Huh. <sighs>